0: But then Mercury was discovered, and soon people enticed by the opportunity for work flocked to the area.
1: Oh, Mercury, the,
0: yes, the elf. Not, <laughs> not the planet. I was like, Mercury
1: I don't see how that... Mercury was discovered, they shot
0: rockets from Big Bend. <laughs> people wanted to go work on Mercury. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry. They have a great a... retirement <laughs> plan. <laughs> this is the Exploring the National Parks podcast with Dirt in My Shoes. My name is Ash and I'm a former park ranger and the founder of Dirt in My Shoes. I think that the parks are best seen from the trail and I'm here to make national park trip planning easy.
0: And I'm John. I carry the kids on the trails, I tell stories and notice all the things that Ash doesn't care about much like flowers.
1: Join us as we show you around America's spectacular national parks.
0: We're sharing our favorite places, fun facts, adventures, and misadventures.
1: And we'll even throw in a little trip
0: planning. Let's start exploring.
1: So our episode from last week about 2024 in the parks is already outdated. (laughs) So... (laughs) Just kidding. We did have to go back and like re-record some of it because it did get outdated. So uh, crazy. But it should be pretty much updated as of right now. However, I did forget to mention that they are changing the National Park's annual pass for 2024. So if you've... Really? Pur- yeah. If you purchased it in January, you might notice it looks a little bit different on the back. And that's because they dropped one of the signature lines. So, yeah, so on the pass, you for years and years and years, you've been able to have two signatures on those annual passes. So, like, I can sign it and John can sign it, and then either of us can use it. Right. But in order to crack down on sharing passes and stuff like that, I guess (laughs) they decided to drop one of the signature lines so only one person can sign it.
0: That's so weird, because now I can't go in you're always the one that signs it first.
1: I know. I do sign it first. <laughs> and we do split up sometimes. And so it's just, I'm kind of sad about that change. But I just think it's funny because I worked as a park ranger in an entrance station. And I checked those passes. And you have them show the ID with the pass. And you're supposed to look at both signatures and make sure they match. And it's like, they never match. Come- <laughs> it just depends on how much conflict you want to infuse into your day as a park ranger (laughs) whether you're going to say something or not but it's just like uh no not today enjoy the park have a great time this
0: says brenda (laughs) welcome to the park dave
1: but sometimes your signature most of the time your signature is not legible right so you don't even know you can look at their name on their driver's license and squiggle yeah exactly (laughs) so but that is a change that came This year, 2024, we'll see how it goes. Our family might be the proud owner of two national parks passes this year, (laughs) depending on what happens. And
0: yeah, that's going to be really interesting. So Uh, I'm going to have to sign it instead of passing it off to you as soon as we purchase it. Yeah. Because I'm in the driver's seat and I just kind of hand it to Ash (laughs) with the credit card or whatever. Be like, actually, I'm holding on to this.
1: No, we'll have to be strategic in our decision of who signs it.
0: It'll be you. Who's
1: going to (laughs) go in the most? (laughs) So. Anyway, that's another thing that I forgot to mention last week in that episode. But go listen to the episode because there is important stuff you got to know for 2024. Right. But today we get to jump into something even more exciting.
0: Woohoo! Big Bend National Park. Yippee! I'm so excited.
1: I know. It is going to be fun. So today we're talking about the fun facts of Big Bend. We already did the Exploring Big Bend National Park episode. So if you want to learn about like our favorite places to stay and activities and stuff like that, then go listen to that one. But this one is about what makes Big Bend so cool. I know. So John, take it away.
0: Oh, this will be so much fun. But usually I start with the geologies for like my fun fact. And this is the first national park that has ever like put a disclaimer on its geology information yeah <laughs> it was basically like i
1: love park disclaimers, disclaimers and stuff that you find in the hidden nooks and crannies of the national park service website oh man it's <laughs> so
0: fun whoever writes these things every park has a different person jan and steve and fran and i don't know who that their names really are but they all have their own personalities and it kind of shows up in the park's And in the geology section for Big Bend, it says, this is a geologist's paradise and a geologist's nightmare at the same time. (laughs) It's crazy. They just basically say that there's so much chaos all over the place in terms of rock layers and things where they shouldn't be, weird angles, even like a bunch of rock layers that are upside down or standing vertically. Things just are out of place.
1: Oh, that would drive me crazy.
0: (laughs) If you were Adrian Monk from Monk or something yeah. like that, this would it would just drive you crazy. I
1: love that show because I do feel like like I can relate to how he feels about people and <laughs> things and stuff. So.
0: A picture is slightly off to one yeah. side and he just takes his finger and just like
1: fixes it. That's exactly how finger, I his am. His tissue, yeah. right? He grabs yeah, a tissue in his, his pocket. Yeah, I'll use my <laughs> finger. But yes, if I notice something, it's just like I just... Hold on, I just got to fix this real fast.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. It's it's just so funny. So a big shout out to geologists for all the hard work they do, because I don't know how you're putting it together. Because as I'm reading through this, I'm thinking to myself, wow, the geological record here is like a game of Super Smash Bros. Like, it's just from, all over. From N64. Yeah. All four players at Hyrule Castle, which is the best level, by the way. <laughs> My friends and I were growing up when it first came out we wouldn't even play any other levels because Hyrule Castle was if it's not broken don't fix it. Yeah. But I mean, all four players Big Bend is in the middle getting smashed by Pokemon Link is smashing you up with swords and Fox is shooting you with a laser gun and then all of a sudden the tornado throws you and then you turn into a shiny star far away. You know, (laughs) it's just it's Big Ben is getting totally beat up here. But for those of you who may not be as video game oriented like
1: Ash, (laughs) Uh but I I love stuff like that, actually, yeah, those type of games. You
0: actually are really good at Mario Kart.
1: I am. But I also did used to play Super Smash Brothers with my friends. Growing up, so.
0: Which level was your favorite? I don't remember.
1: (laughs) That's where I draw the line of my knowledge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. To illustrate a lot of what's going on here, fun fact number one is that in the last 340 million years, Big Bend has been part of at least three major mountain building events covered by two different oceans, been blown up by volcanoes, and then dropped thousands of feet. Nice. (laughs) It's just been completely demolished and like mixed around (laughs) like a blender. It's absolutely insane.
1: That surprises me because I feel like when you're there, that wouldn't even cross your mind. None of it.
0: Well, let me explain what you're seeing. Okay. Okay. So uh, imagine this. You're at the beach. You take two geologists. You blindfold them. Okay. You leave them on the sand and then you walk down to the water. It's kind of in that in-between area where like when the wave comes up, it's wet, but when it goes back down, it's dry. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're in the waves in the shallow wavy area, and then you wait for a wave to come in. And then as it goes out, you bend down and start building a sandcastle. You're trying to build as fast as you possibly can before the next wave comes in. So you're trying to dig up as much as you can. You put a whole, a couple of the towers here, but then all of a sudden a wave comes in mm-hmm. and it washes up and then it washes back down and you're castle is just getting demolished at the same time. As the wave goes out, you start building up the second castle, okay? You're piling up some sand again, but then the wave comes in again, washes it back out, and then as it washes back out, a volcano shows up and then blows up. <laughs> <laughs> blows up your sand castle. And then a sinkhole shows up right underneath where the volcano just was and then sucks it back in, okay? Freeze kay. frame. Okay. Run back up onto the sand. Unblindfold the geologist. I was gonna say, this
1: poor (laughs) geologist.
0: Bring the geologists back down to the water and have them analyze what you're looking at. (laughs) Well, what just happened? Okay, that's what geologists have to do. But if you just show up and you just see it as it is, you're like, I don't know what it was supposed to be. But the geologists have to put it back together and figure out, okay. That you built
1: two sandcastles, and it got blown up by a volcano, and it dropped into a sinkhole (laughs) without seeing what actually happened. Exactly. Okay.
0: Surprisingly, the geologists have kind of put a whole bunch of this back together.
1: Okay. Even
0: though, like, if you think of it, you're just looking at a pile of mud that just got sucked in a bunch, and you're like, I have no idea what this was.
1: Well, yeah, because, I mean, I feel like a lot of the rocks, they're, I don't know, maybe I just, man... I always have to go back to these parks after you talk about them. And we were just there. But I'm like thinking about the rocks now. And I'm like, I feel like they all look the same.
0: hmm Right? Well, that's what we think. <laughs> well, the the thing is like 90% of the park is like desert. Yeah. Right? And, the, and there's the... not
1: like a bunch of colors or anything, you know, like it's kind of brown.
0: Right. For the most part, there's a whole lot of brown. 50 shades of brown. Yeah. Is what we're looking at here. If you don't know what you're looking for, or you're just like, oh, that's a mountain. Oh, that's a mountain. That's kind of a hill. That's a mesa. Things just kind of run together just because, I don't know, you're driving pretty fast Mm -hmm. and you're not really taking the time to look at it. But that's what the geologists do. Mm -hmm. They're trying to put the story back together. Okay, what happened here? Mm -hmm. A lot happened here. And so let's kind of talk about it because they've been able to put a lot back together And even though there is kind of a, uh, there there has been significant disagreement and like changes to what they say actually happened here over time. So they might even go back and say, revise what I'm telling you because they get new information or they're like, hey, something's changed. We have discovered this. Right. But for now, they've kind of put it back together and it's really cool. So we're going to go back like we normally do back to Pangea, which is about 300 million years ago. And. During the formation of Pangaea, a tectonic plate from the south crashed into the bottom of North America. Okay. And as this plate pushed northward, it crunched up all the sediments that had been accumulating on the bottom of the ocean. Because where Big Bend currently was at that time...
1: Currently was at that time? <laughs> currently is or was at that time?
0: Previously, currently was. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm I'm. speaking from the time frame of yes. Pangea about what was happening then from the future. And so, yes, I'm not a writer, obviously. I'll get no, my it's fine. It's right. just up. funny. But where Big Bend was, it wasn't at the bottom of a shallow sea. It was the bottom of a deep water ocean. Okay. Okay. And as this southern tectonic plate started pushing forward, it crunched up everything on the bottom of the ocean and it starts to fold all the land and it pushes it up almost like a giant snowplow. And so it's pushing everything forward at the bottom of North America, where all of this was accumulating suddenly over a few, I don't know, several million years or however long this process took, suddenly a new giant mountain range appeared that none of us have ever heard of. Mm -hmm. And it was between far east side, the east was the Appalachian Mountains, and then all the way out here, Big Bend was like the far west of this new mountain chain. And it's called the Washita Mountains. Okay. And so all of a sudden during Pangaea, there's this giant mountain range that's kind of going east to west along North America during this through this whole giant corridor right down there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then so it's kind of crazy as you drive through Texas. Now, there ain't no mountains there.
1: Yeah. Right. Not very it's many.
0: The, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty flat, it generally is. speaking. Yeah. What happened was, it's kind of like when we were on the beach, you build up this sandcastle, and then all of a sudden, a new wave comes in.
1: So those mountains got
0: they got destroyed. torn down, mm-hmm. and those mountains were probably there mostly for the duration of Pangaea, and I don't necess- there wasn't necessarily any information about hey, when Pangaea broke up, these mountains got torn down. But from a lot of the other fun facts episodes that we've done, mountains get built when continents come together, and when the continents separate, they usually get torn down. Mm -hmm. And so I'm assuming that's kind of what happened.
1: Yeah, if it was down on the southern border, I think that's a good assumption.
0: (laughs) Since there are no mountains there anymore, as those mountains they got they were supposed to be really tall, like Rocky Mountain high type of tall mountains, Mm -hmm. and so then they got pulled apart over the next like hundred million years or so. That's when you get like the creation of the next wave, basically that came in, and that's when Big Bend gets covered by a shallow sea, Mm -hmm. and that's which is our favorite kind of ocean. Favorite
1: kind of ocean, right? That's where you find a lot of fossils too.
0: Yes, remember that bookmark and that note right there, because that time period where you still have some of the mountains, but they're kind of getting torn down. They're getting they're eroding away rivers and rain and everything they're tearing down these mountains so fast and then all of a sudden about 130 i think million years ago is when the shallow sea invades big bend again so it gets covered by this ocean again from these mountains that are disappearing these sediments are being deposited again at Mm -hmm. the, at the on big bend so it's building up and building up but that period of time where it went from land to sea and then again back to land there is some really cool stuff there. So we're going to bookmark that because the artifacts that remain from this specific time period are so cool.
1: Nice. Okay.
0: So we got the first sandcastle, the wave came in, demolished it. And then as the shallow sea receded back, what happened was we've had tectonic plates move in from the south. Now we're going to have tectonic plates move in from the west. And so... What's happening here is the Pacific plate, the Farallon plate from the West, they crash into North America. So North America is just getting pummeled. It's the Super Smash Bros. brawl. (laughs) It's just going crazy. You're getting hammered from all sides. North America is getting hit from the West. But it's really interesting because it's kind of like that scene from Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Remember when they're having that giant battle at Minas Tirith? And suddenly the orcs bring up this giant battering ram. Do you remember that? That scene, Ash? Sure. <laughs> they call it Grand. Grand, grand, grand. It's the wolf's head, basically. And it's yeah, got fire coming that. out of its yeah. mouth. And they pull it up to the gate of Minas Tirith. And they just pull it back. And then they just, boom, boom, boom. It keeps hammering into the gates. And the first couple of hammers don't really do much to the gate. But every succeeding hit from this wolf's head, it breaks further and further into the gate. And that's kind of what happens with North America. And it's really interesting because this is kind of odd. Normally, as you look at continents, the older mountains are in the center of the continent. And -hmm. the younger mountains are kind of near the edges. North America is different. And I think it's because it's getting hit so many times by all these different continents from different directions. If you go from the west coast and you go inland, Big Bend is pretty far inland. Mm-hmm. And so you've got like the Sierras, you've got the Great Basin Mountains, but even further than the Sierras west, you kind of have like the San Bernardino Mountains and stuff like that too. And so you have all these mountain chains that are north to south and for the pressure for these continents hitting North America to reach all the way into Big Bend is really interesting and it's kind of rare. This one, they call it the Laramide Orogeny. And yeah, I have to say that one right. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm smirking at him. I'm like, Oh, that sounded really good.
0: Yes. This one happened about uh, somewhere around 180 million years ago. And this is actually what created the Rocky Mountains. Big Bend, not only is it the far west side of the Washita Mountains, it's also like the far south side of the Rocky Mountains, at least here in the U.S., And so it's really cool to know, oh man, Big Bend, it's got all of these vertical and it's got a horizontal axis when it comes to these mountain ranges being built. I think it's Mariscal Mountain and it's the far south of the bend on the Big Bend in Big Bend. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) (laughs) that's the southernmost tip of the Rocky Mountains in the United States. And so it's pretty cool. Really?
1: Yeah. I would not have ever thought that was part of the Rocky Mountains.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: that's cool. It's
0: because I think there's been so much erosion going on right here. It didn't used to always be a desert. This used to be kind of a, especially during the ice ages and things, this place was pretty hot and humid and had lots of moisture. But as things dry out and as tectonic plates move and things like that, There's been so much erosion here that just tears the whole landscape down. Mm -hmm. I personally think it's so cool that two major mountain ranges intersect right here in Big Bend.
1: Well, so Big Bend does have a mountain range still, the Chisos. Right. So is that part of the Rocky Mountains? Is that which... What are those? Because those seem really random. Like when you get to Big Bend and you're like, there's just like some mountains right there. Right. And they don't make sense. <laughs> but they're really cool. We love the Chisos mountains, but it definitely feels a little out of place.
0: Yes. The answer is no. Wait, does that make sense? I don't yes, know. The what was my no? question?
1: <laughs> is it's it like... part of the Rocky Mountains? What? No, my question was what, like, what's it part of?
0: Right. None of the above. It's just its own thing. The answer is C. None That's of how the it above. looks
1: too when you get there. So
0: <laughs> cool. No. So remember when I, uh, the fun fact, Big Ben has been part of three mountain building events. So the first one's going from the south. The second one coming from the west. How about a third? There's this awesome scene from Community where one of the members of the group is like, they're all worried about him because he's not that great with girls. And so they're trying to teach him how to be
1: ladies man he's
0: trying to be exactly trying to teach him and so there's this awesome scene where they're like okay you can't necessarily we don't want you to change yourself but you can't be yourself (laughs) so he's like okay he's like i I got this he's a really funny guy so anyways they have one of the girls that she's sitting there annie and she's just reading a book and he practice approaches her and she's like sitting there reading and he looks at her and he's like what are you reading and she says brightly pride and prejudice and then he kind of confidently sits down next to her, puts his arm around her, and he's like, so, you're familiar with two sins. <laughs> how about a third? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, when I said. The, how about a third? I was like, oh, this is community. It's so perfect. Oh, I just thought it was so funny. That's when the volcanoes show up. Okay? And so, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the first and second sandcastles have basically been eroded away and washed away and then from underneath the earth volcanoes just spring up out of nowhere and some of them are spewing ash and lava all over the place and some of the magma actually never turns into volcanoes because it just rises really close to the surface and then it stays just underneath the surface and then it stays there for a long time and cools off Mm. and kind of creates like granite or igneous rock. That's what the Chiso's mountains are. They're oh, not really? part of the Rockies or the Washitas. And that's actually fun fact number two. Fun fact number two is that Big Bend is the only national park with its very own mountain range.
1: Hmm, yeah, it's Big not is, a part of anything else.
0: Yeah, it's the only national park that has a mountain range completely encompassed within its own borders.
1: Oh, I like that.
0: Yeah. So, Like all the other national parks, even the Tetons, the range extends beyond the park boundary. But at Big Bend, it's got its own. It
1: has its very own. I never knew that was a thing that I wanted a park to have. Yes. But it is. (laughs) I really (laughs) like that.
0: Yeah. It's not part of the Rockies. It's not part of the Washitas. And this happened about 42 million years ago to like 25 million years ago. Is when this happened.
1: Just yesterday.
0: They're they're pretty young, but we don't know exactly what happened deep under the earth that created all of these magma chambers and everything to rise to the surface. But it did. And honestly, that's probably why these mountains have lasted. Not only are they younger, but it's mm -hmm. probably why they lasted, because if we think about what created all the other mountains, it's that snowplow effect, right, right, of all of these sedimentary layers being deposited on the bottom of oceans. They're not necessarily held together by anything besides pressure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not the strongest kind of rock out there for sure.
0: Right. But these Chisos Mountains, their origins were different. They're volcanic in origin. And so when you see them, they stand up out of the desert like Yao Ming or Shaq at a preschool. They're just so <laughs> tall.
1: Oh, my gosh. I need to go back. That is so cool. And now I'm like, do they seem volcanic? Like when you're there, does the rock look volcanic? And I'm trying to picture what the rocks look like and I can't remember.
0: <laughs> it's kind of tricky. And, and the reason that it is kind of tricky, too, is because a lot of them, like I said, they didn't actually erupt. Okay. And so what you have is you just have these giant magma chambers that they rose to the top of the surface and they kind of melted a lot of the rocks around them when they did that, but they're still surrounded by a lot of the sedimentary other rock. layers. Yeah. Okay. So, so a lot of times you can kind of see it peeking out of the rock layers. Okay. It's kind of like in a lot of other national parks where you have hoodoos or something like that where the top layer, the cap layer is what keeps it strong. Oh,
1: my gosh. Okay, okay, okay. And on the west side of Big Bend, there's that tough canyon. Yes. That we hiked through. Okay, now I'm like seeing things in my mind and thinking of things where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's volcanic. Yeah. That's related to volcanoes. Okay, like I can, okay, yeah. Yeah. I can see it.
0: Yep, it's really cool. So the, the, the tough is like ash that fell. Yeah. And just huge amounts of ash that fell and accumulated. And so there, there's the tough canyon. But as you hike through the chisos, you'll notice I think the rock is almost like a reddish color. Hmm. And that is the strong volcanic rock that okay. is holding it all together.
1: Okay. It's that is so cool. cool. And those mountains are really cool. There's some great trails up in there that you can do. It's just, such a surprise that there are even the mountains right there. It, it makes Big Bend so cool because you can be in totally different environments within a short drive. Yeah. So that's really neat. I want to go back and pay more attention to the rocks. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's really cool. So like I said, that happened between like 42 and 25 million years ago. There was a really volcanic period here, mostly, which is kind of surprising to a lot of geologists. It's really far inland. Mm-hmm. And most volcanic activity usually is around the perimeter of continents. Yeah. And so it's really interesting that it happens so far inland. And I think a lot of them think that it's because of this crunching in effect that happened so far inland with, with these things. It, it created a whole lot of fault lines. Hmm. And so there's all this pressure, this tectonic pressure, creating all these fault lines and breaking up the earth. So during this period of time, i think there was a maybe there was a little bit of a loosening or something like that happened at least that's what happened about 25 million years ago there was a little bit of relief in the pressure and when that happened that's when that giant sinkhole that we talked about at the ocean mm-hmm. that sinkhole opened up basically and dropped the castles because 25 million years ago we don't know exactly how fast this happened but big bend not to the west of big bend not to the east of big bend but Big Bend itself dropped thousands of feet. It's almost like the walls around Big Bend were like the shaft of an elevator. And mm-hmm. so Big Bend was like the elevator and it dropped like the Tower of Terror. but just went, it's like suddenly, we don't like it. Well,
1: I mean, it, it makes sense if it was volcanic right there too. Like if some of that magma receded uh-huh. or anything that was holding up kind of the ground right there receded, then it seems like there would be like some I don't know, because if you hike in, like, lava tubes or right. something, it's like you can see how that lava just clears everything out. Right. So then if it leaves, you're basically just left with a whole bunch of holes underneath you.
0: Right. Well, it's pretty common at volcanic parks like Crater Lake or uh, Yellowstone for calderas to collapse yeah. on itself. Because, yeah. you know, as the heat expands things, right? Yeah. And so things expand and then when things cool, there's probably these, it's almost like a vacuum underneath that just sucks it back down.
1: Interesting. And, and that's I, I what Big Bend was. <laughs> I can't
0: I can't prove that that's what happened at Big it Bend. It makes
1: sense, though. Yeah. I'm sure someone's tried to prove it.
0: Yeah. And so I th- it's just so cool that happened 25 million years ago, all these vertical faults. There's actual like, lines on the east and on the west where it, this didn't drop. But they can trace like the layers of the rocks on the mountains to the sides of Big Bend and realize, oh, the layers at the bottom of these mountains are the layers like at the top of some of the mountains in Big Bend. Hmm. And so they can kind of trace so they know there was a massive drop that happened here, which is just so cool. Now, what's so interesting, like we talked about, is that these Chisos mountains are holding so strong because there's been at least 25 to 40 million years where they could have eroded away, but they didn't and it's because of that volcanic strength from these rocks and it's just so cool. But the battle of erosion still continues and it's interesting. So as you drive around Big Bend, you'll see all these dry stream beds and dry creek beds all over the place. And when it does rain, it can wash out roads and things like that. And so the battle still rages, but to me, the Chisos mountains are kind of like Gimli in the minds of Moria when he finds out that his cousin Balin, you know, died. And it's kind of sad, but Pippin pushes the thing down the well and then all the orcs and then the troll come Mm -hmm. and Gimli gets up on the thing and he's like, let them come. There's one dwarf in Moria that still draws breath. And so when I'm driving around Big Bend and I'm looking at all these mountains and I'm looking at things, I'm like, those mountains are standing strong, man. They're fighting (laughs) against erosion and they're just like, bring it on. I'm going to take this. I'm going to rock this battle. It's so cool. So when you're driving around and you're appreciating and you're like thinking, okay, where's all this volcanic stuff? Look at the mountains and realize they're still fighting the good fight. Mm -hmm. And these are the one mountains that have really stood up to those tearing down erosional forces that are trying to flatten out the landscape.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I just love the Big Bend has
0: its own mountains. It is cool. Okay, so we put a bookmark earlier. Mm-hmm. Where did we put the bookmark, Ash?
1: At the shallow sea, where there's a lot of really good fossils that come out of that.
0: Okay, so we're going to return to that point. Fun fact number three is that despite having an incredibly chaotic and hard to decipher geologic record, Big Bend National Park preserves fossils from a longer span of time than any other national park unit.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. So cool. I think that it is so easy to go to Big Bend and not realize how big of a like player in the game Big Bend is for fossils. Oh, yeah. Because there's only one stop. Mm-hmm that really talks about this. It's not something, unless you're really seeking it out, I don't think you're going to find this information that often.
0: No, definitely not. And it's so interesting. So we did our fossils episode not that long ago, and that was episode 17, I believe. Most national park units that have fossils for a very brief period of time, Mm -hmm. like they focus like like they usually have like, I don't know, 5 million years or at the m- most of them, like 10 million years max. There's mm-hmm. just a few layers that are exposed at those national parks where they have fossils where the situation was just perfect. And that's what they have. Mm-hmm. Big Bend has 130 million years oh worth my of gosh. fossils. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's like the fossils that they have found in Big Bend are like the biggest version of that fossil or that animal possible right. and so that's what's so cool about it too is it's like well yeah we have dinosuchus it also happens to be the biggest dinosuchus ever <laughs> found you know <laughs> like that's how big bend is oh yeah
0: everything is bigger in texas
1: it is but i mean big bend plays perfectly into that when it comes to fossils
0: yeah what you have here like i said It's a fossil record 10 to 20 times larger than most national park units. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. In fact, there's over 1,200 known fossil species in Big Ben's fossil record. And it basically goes back from the ice ages. So a couple million years ago, maybe even later than that. But basically all the way through the entire age of mammals and then to the great extinction event And then back at least another 35 million years. And so 130 million years plus the extinction event. And if the extinction event was the meteor or the whatever it was that crashed into the Yucatan Peninsula, this is really close to that. Mm -hmm. And so the extinction event, there's the specific layer, they call it the KT layer because it separates the Cenozoic and the tertiary. And basically, that's the age of reptiles and the age of mammals. Okay. Okay. And so you have this line of demarcation here that separates things out and it's exposed and well preserved.
1: Oh my gosh. I I just got chills. (laughs) I literally did. I was like, no way can you see that. And then you said, it's there. Oh my gosh.
0: Yes, it might be a geologist's nightmare, but it's a paleontologist's dream Mm -hmm. because they have all of these different layers. So this entire blending up, this crazy situation that happened here at Big Bend has exposed just so many different layers and so much is here and paleontologists can come and just scoop up. It's all low hanging fruit here. And it might be hard to decipher in some ways, but it's just like waiting for paleontologists to come and just be like, I'm here. I've got it all. You know, it's all right here. Come and let me show you. It's so good. And like I said, some places only have a tiny piece of this, but the piece of pie here is like huge. The piece of geologic time that paleontologists have to explore here at Big Bend is miles beyond any other national park. It's like two times bigger than the second place finisher. It's incredible. And so there's so many things. But like we said, all the dinosaurs here that they have found, not only are they cool and there's tons of them and they're from all different ages, but they're so big Mm -hmm. and they're so important. And we talked about these during the fossils episode, but I'll just kind of cover them real quick. Like the first one, there's over 90 dinosaur species that have been found here, including the Texas named... Alamosaurus. Mm -hmm. It's a massive sauropod, which was probably the largest dinosaur. That ever existed in North America.
1: That's so crazy. So, the sauropods are the ones with the big long necks
0: and the, the huge tails. Yeah, like Think the... Think of Littlefoot.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, that's what a sauropod is. And you said this one was Alamosaurus. Alamosaurus. So they named it after the Alamo. <laughs> I love that. Yes. That's great. And it's he so was good. Massive.
0: Oh, I can't believe it. And the specific one that they found here is like, like you said, it's
1: bigger than everyone else's.
0: Yes, yeah. It really is. It's so cool. You mentioned Dinosuchus, mm-hmm. which is the terror crocodile, okay? Mm-hmm. These could be like 40 to 50 feet long. And they actually have at the paleontology exhibit that they have, they have one of these. It's not like they have one of these sitting there for you to compare with. They have a skull, but they also have like this silhouette of one. Yeah, that they'll, they'll show
1: you what size they were.
0: Yeah. And you can stand next to it and you're like, holy smokes. This thing is huge. Yeah. You're not even as tall as its shoulders sometimes, but these things had six inch teeth and the Megalodon, they just came out with the movie Meg. The real Megalodons had seven inch teeth. And so this thing had six inch teeth Mm -hmm. and they found tons of fossils actually that died because they were attacked by Dinosuchus. And they can tell because giant like gnaw marks (laughs) from these huge (laughs) teeth that they found. Oh my gosh. So, this guy was no joke. Yeah. And then the massive, leathery, and hairy winged Quetzalcoatlus, the largest flying creature of all time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you can see it. They have it hanging from the fossil discovery exhibit. Yes. At Big Bend. I'm sure it's a replica, but
0: it's so cool. cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This Quetzalcoatlus was like 36 to 39 feet wingspan Mm -hmm. and so its skull was like as tall as my body
1: yeah and it's just it's huge it's terrifying
0: oh my gosh all of these things yeah they're so fun and so if you think like fossils are, are so cool Big Bend is the place to be. Yeah. It's absolutely awesome.
1: But you got to do your research before you go, because like we said, they don't emphasize how amazing this place is for fossils. No. Unless you know what to look for.
0: Right. Exactly. But if you think of those incredible fossils we discussed, Alamosaurus, Dinosuchus, Ketsoquatlus, they inhabited totally different ecosystems, Mm -hmm. land, air, and sea, Mm -hmm. right? Now, this is going to lead us into fun fact number four. But that just illustrates that Big Bend has had a very diverse past in terms of its ecology and the ecosystems that it sustained Mm -hmm. with the ocean, with the mountains and then the ocean coming in and then the, the ocean going back out. There was all different kinds of ecosystems here and it's changed a lot over time. But what hasn't changed is the diversity of the place. And at first glance, it might not seem that way. Like we talked about, it's just brown. Everything is brown. It's a 90% desert. It has some mountains and it's cool. But upon deeper inspection, you'll realize that this place has three very distinct ecosystems. In the founding documents of the park, it really highlights this diversity for a reason for its protection. And all of that geologic chaos and upheaval has created an incredible landscape that provides for so many different kinds of life. And as we move into fun fact number four, I want you to think of these three ecosystems, desert, mountains, river. There's so much going on here. And let's start with the desert, which is, like I said, 90% of the park. And the kind of desert that you'll find in Big Bend is the Chihuahuan Desert, which is the wettest of America's four deserts and has the greatest diversity of plants of any desert on earth.
1: The Chihuahuan Desert. Yes. Okay.
0: It's so cool big bend boasts more species of cacti than any other national park and it has an amazing variety of wildflowers as well so you can pretty much go almost any time of year and something will be in Mm -hmm.
1: bloom and that's one of my favorite things about big bend oh my gosh i love the flowers
0: yes it's so cool and the chisos mountains so we've done desert now we're doing mountains the mountains are thousands of feet above the desert floor Which means that the temperature can be easily 20 degrees cooler than anywhere in the desert below. Which means that it gets more rain and more moisture than any other part of the park, basically. And it's a totally different plant community. And instead of cacti, you get pine trees and maple trees and all kinds of bushes and flowers and things like that. You have the most diverse desert on the planet. You have the mountains, which support their own kind of ecosystem. And then you go to the river. Oh, the river. Oh, the river. The Rio Grande, baby. (laughs) Which starts in the Colorado Rockies and makes its way all the way here. It opens up for a whole new variety of plants and animals. But not only does the river provide a year-round supply of tons of water, the mountains are wetter, yes, and there are springs sprinkled throughout the park. But the bountiful supply of year-round water is like the lifeblood of the park. Mm -hmm. Because thanks to the river, we're not just celebrating small creatures that can get by on drops of water. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about big game animals and their apex predators like mountain lions and black bears. This place, I'm telling you, Big Bend has it all Mm -hmm. because it's got these three diverse ecosystems that can support all kinds of life. One thing that the park celebrates a lot is that Big Bend has more species of birds than any other national park.
1: It's huge for yes. birding. Oh, huge. Yeah, Because you've got so many birds coming from so many different places. You're right on the border of Mexico. right? So you've got Central American birds yeah. <laughs> and stuff coming through this exact area to fly north. And when the birds fly south, they stop here and Everything stops here.
0: Yes. And it's because you have the mountains, which cool things off, give you a reprieve. You have the water supply of the river. And the desert itself is diverse among deserts. There are more than 450 species of birds found in this park. And only 56 of them live year-round in Big Bend.
1: Yeah. so It's a major commuter park for birds. Oh,
0: yeah. Absolutely. All in all, Big Bend supports more than 1,200 species of plants including 60 cacti, 11 species of amphibians, 56 species of reptiles, 40 species of fish, 75 mammals, over 450 species of birds, and 3,600 species of insects. And that finally leads us to fun fact number four. Among all these facts, (laughs) fun fact number four is that Big Bend has more types of birds, bats, butterflies, ants scorpions and cacti than any other national park in the united states
1: <laughs> i love it so much and I they love call it, it, so it
0: brown much. brown, <laughs> brown. <laughs> as you drive around you just see you're just like i'm just in a desert no this place is teeming with life mm. it's got so much life so much diversity of life all different kinds oh my gosh this place is nuts
1: And it's easy to forget. I don't know how you forget this. So to get to Big Bend, I mean, you're just driving through West Texas, which is a very flat desert area for Mm -hmm. the majority of it. And so you kind of get used to just seeing brown, I think. Yeah. And then you get to the park and you're like, more brown. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yay. And then you get down to the river and it's an oasis. Yeah. There's greenery everywhere. There's plants everywhere, animals everywhere, bugs
0: <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Fortunately um, and unfortunately. Yeah.
1: But it's just, yeah, it's just something that you don't really think about, I feel like. No. Even though the river is such a big part of Big Bend. Right. And it covers so much ground in Big Bend, but it's still just like, in my mind's eye, when I think of Big Bend, I think of a brown desert landscape, mm-hmm. totally forgetting that there's this whole section that is just overflowing with life.
0: Right? Oh, it's so amazing. It's amazing. Yes. It's one of those places I feel like that you could drive through and be underwhelmed, unfortunately.
1: I know, because everything brown, till, <laughs> you know, when you get there and you're just like, great, this <laughs> looks the same as the... Last four hours we just drove through. (laughs) Right.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's true. But I think a lot of it, we talk about the water from the river and the mountains, but this is like the far northern expanse of the Chihuahuan Desert, Mm -hmm. too. And so that adds a lot of life. Mm -hmm. It's 90% of the park. And so because it's the most wet in all of America's deserts and the fact that it's the most diverse of all the deserts. It shouldn't be overlooked, but it is. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's such a cool place.
1: I have to say, if you get to Big Bend and you are underwhelmed, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) And it's okay to initially be underwhelmed, but like, there's so much cool stuff about this park. We, like, it takes forever to get to Big Bend. Yes. We go as often as we can because it's just one of those places that it's like every time we go, we're like... How did I not know this? Mm -hmm. How did I not notice this?
0: Right. Oh,
1: we need to do this next time. It's a park that you'll keep coming back to and just really fall in love with if you know what you're seeing.
0: Right. There's so much here to see. But, you know, we're going to move into fun fact number five here. I'm excited. Okay. Because a lot of people, they have noticed that it's amazing. And I can't necessarily prove this because I didn't do the research on this. But just like it has the most of a lot of other things, Big Bend might also be the national park that has changed hands the most
1: oh interesting
0: it might had the most number of countries flags hanging above (laughs) it basically from spain to france and mexico then the republic of texas and then the united states of america and then to the confederate states of america and then back to the united states of america and so it's had an incredible human history of people moving in and out, all different kinds of people interacting here, fighting over it, not necessarily fighting over it, but it's been part of the big fight. An amazingly long history. And in terms of what we would consider, like the period of time where it's got a written history, that is really long too. Like a lot of other places, the first people that we have record of is the Paleo-Indians. Mm-hmm the great hunters Mm -hmm. that that moved around and followed the great beasts around the country, hunting them like the mammoth and the giant sloth. But as those died out, then it moves into the archaic period where people are hunting smaller game. They're using the adaladal and things like that. And they're maybe still nomadic, but they're doing more gathering and more farming. That specific lifestyle was incredibly long because it was so successful. Like Mm 7,500 years of archaic peoples, basically here in Big Ben. And then a thousand years ago, there was a kind of an an incredible shift. And you can see this in the development of a more sedentary lifestyle, more pottery. The bow and arrow was developed. They're using more plants and things like that. But all of this would be considered prehistoric, basically. Mm -hmm. There is an actual prehistoric period, but we would probably consider all of things before written record, basically prehistoric is what we would think of. But then the Spanish come and we kind of get more of a written record starting at that point. But native peoples have been here for thousands and thousands of years before Mm -hmm. the Spanish came. And when the Spanish did come, there is evidence that like there's lots of Apache and Comanche evidence of people being here. The Chisos were the first, and then the Apache, and then the Comanche came. And Big Bend did their first archaeological survey in like 1936, and then a follow-up in 1966. And they sampled only a small section of the park. And when they did that sample, they thought, oh, the park probably has about 5,000 archaeological sites, which is
1: a lot. Which is a a lot. lot.
0: But then in 2002, they did a follow-up study, and they found that they're now predicting that Big Bend has more than 26,000 archaeological <laughs> sites spread throughout because this park is huge.
1: Oh my gosh, this park does not go small no. on anything.
0: <laughs> no, 26,000
1: sites is a lot of sites.
0: Yes, it does. And I mean, when the Spanish arrived in Texas in the 1680s, from that time on we have lots of records. And you know, a lot of people coming through, but the first settlers Weren't even Americans. We think in our American mindset the first settler, but maybe the Texans, maybe nope, wasn't even the Texans. It was the Mexicans.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The, there was a there's a lot, and I don't know if those twenty six thousand archaeological sites are all Native American sites, but I, I doubt that they are. I think a right. lot of them are probably going back through all these different settler periods of different people, different countries, claiming the land and setting up settlements and villages and things like that. And so it's so hard to go through the human history, because especially here, because there's so much of it, it almost feels as if we're always just breezing through. But I'm kind of breezing through on purpose today because I want to return to a specific period of time that I think is super cool. But we'll start here with the Mexicans. When the Mexicans settled here, I mean, they were pretty widespread and there's a lot of evidence that they did a lot of ranching and a lot of farming, especially kind of down near the river basins Mm -hmm. and things like that. And that, ranching and farming. It sprung up throughout all of the settlement periods here. They could only be as successful as the weather and the land allowed. Mm -hmm. And so besides the river, there's not a whole lot of like water full-time all Mm -hmm. over the place. And so they were really limited on how much they could grow and, and things like that. But then mercury was discovered and soon people enticed by the opportunity for work flocked to the area.
1: Oh Mercury, the, the yes, elf. Not,
0: not the planet. <laughs> I
1: was like, Mercury I don't was see discovered how that. When they
0: shot rockets from Big Bend. <laughs> 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 People wanted to go work on Mercury. Yeah,
1: <laughs> sorry. They have That's a good. great retirement <laughs> plan.
0: <laughs> no Mercury, the metal, sometimes called quicksilver. Yeah. Because of that, the water sources were being used up by mining, and so the ranching and the farming kind of fell to the wayside as mining became the major industry. But the period of time when the land was really being used by Americans wasn't really that long, maybe 60 years from like the 1870s, probably. But by the 1930s, I mean, the conservation movement was so strong in the United States that the idea found its way here too. Hmm. And so three men, Jay Langford, E. Townsend, and Ammon Carter are kind of the founding fathers of Big Bed National Park. They were locals who lived and worked in the area and saw this awesome idea floating around the nation of national parks. And by 1933, they had garnered enough support to make it a state park. And by 1934, the CCC was already in the park, building roads and trails and buildings to open up the place to make it more accessible.
1: Man, they got them there so fast. Yeah. I love the CCC. I
0: know. They're so cool. And so when you're driving on the road up into the Chisos Mountains and like the campground and everything like that. You're seeing the handiwork of the CCC, which is super cool. But supporters of the park thought that it truly deserved to be a national park. And during the Depression, which I find extremely incredible, during the Depression, they found ways to raise money and lobby the state legislature to allocate money necessary to buy, and listen to this number, they had to buy 600,000 acres. During the
1: Depression?
0: During the Depression. Oh, my gosh. To buy from private landowners in the area to make this national park, which I think is incredible. Yeah. By 1943, in September of 1943, think about all the stuff that's going on in 1943. Yeah. World War II, you just came out of the Depression, tons of this crazy stuff. They call this Texas's gift to the nation. And so finally, in September 1943, the Texas government delivered the deed for all of this land to the federal government. Hmm. And on June 1944, Big Bend was officially made a national park.
1: Oh, my gosh. The Park Service was like not spending any money no. during that time. They cut out a lot of their stuff right during that time. And a lot of stuff went to just total standstill right. within the National Park Service. So I guess I never looked at that established date and thought, that's a weird time for that to make a national park.
0: (laughs) Right. Interesting. It's such a cool thing. Like, that's how important it was to a lot of these locals. Really want this. We Mm -hmm. want this. And they gave it as like a gift to the nation. They could have just kept it a state park Mm -hmm. and they could have just left it as what it was. But then they added 600,000 more acres Mm -hmm. to the park, which is huge. That's bigger than so many other national parks, just what they added to the already state park. Remember that bookmark? I wanted to return to a specific time frame in the human history that I find to be super cool. I'm, I'm amazed by so many of the things and the creation of the park is so cool, but there's one specific thing that I wanted to return to because I think there is one chapter in the human history of Big Bend National Park that was a turning point, not only for Big Bend, but for North America. It is often skipped over, but there is a forgotten trail here in Big Bend that truly acts as an emblem of this event and this time period, the Comanche Trail. But the Comanche Trail wouldn't exist if we didn't have horses Mm -hmm. in North America. When When the Spanish explored North America, they had no idea that their animals would be the one thing That would change the course of history probably more than anything else that they did at least in north america they did so much in central and south america but the horse had such a huge impact native people had battled and fought each other for millennia tribal warfare ebbed and flowed territory was exchanged and territory was conquered and surrendered but by the time the spanish arrived on the scene in texas the apache were the king fierce warriors had conquered a lot of their neighbors and forced them out. And the Spanish realized that they had a problem with the Apache because the Apache kept attacking their Spanish force and they were fierce, incredible warriors. But one day the attacks just stopped and they didn't know why. And it was because the Apache had a problem. The Spanish horses had gotten into the hands of people who really knew how to use them and their skill was unmatched by anyone else on the continent. The Comanche. George Catlin, he was an American lawyer turned artist and traveler. He traveled out west to he wanted to see the frontier and he painted a lot of what he saw and he wrote down a lot of what he saw. Listen to his words. And this is what he said about the Comanche. Every one of these red sons of the forest or the plains is a knight and a lord. The only thing which he deems worthy of his exertions are to mount his snorting steed with his bow and his quiver. His arrow shield on his arm and his long lance glistening in the war parade. The moment they mount their horses, they seem at once metamorphosized. I am ready without hesitation to pronounce the Comanches, the most extraordinary horsemen I have seen yet in my travels. Hmm. And so these guys were just incredible. And if you were within a few hundred miles of the Comanche, you were in danger because they could be anywhere at any time. They were unstoppable. The Apache previously had a huge range, but the Comanche just destroyed and decimated everybody, forcing everybody, the Apache, to hide high in the mountains. And the Comanche were just everywhere. They were in Mexico. They were raiding the Spanish. They were raiding everybody that was around here. And if you were lucky to be around Big Bend during the month of September then you were in really big trouble. They actually call this the Comanche moon. Because in September, on the full moon, the Comanche, who were the king of the prairie, would mount up. This was the time of the year when they would raid Mexico. Hmm. And they would charge from Comancheria, which was Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, parts of Colorado, this huge area that they controlled, they would charge from their, from the center of their land, the hunting grounds with the buffalo, they would charge straight south and they would go straight into Mexico and they would go right through the heart of Big Bend and they would turn at the Chisos Mountains. They would go right and they would come around, they would cross the Rio Grande and go down into Mexico. They were raiding villages and settlements and everything like that and they would drive all of the stuff that they brought back with them, they would drive all the livestock and the people that they stole and everything that they did. They would drive it back north. They would circle back around through the Chisos Mountains. And what they did was they would actually burn the trail behind them to stop people from following them. And they did this for decades and decades, always in September on the full moon. You could just, you knew you would just listen for the horses and hope that they didn't find you. This happened so much, it was like a scar on the landscape. In some places, the Comanche Trail was a mile wide. Mm -hmm. And explorers always noted where it was. They could always tell where the Comanche Trail was. And you can't necessarily see evidence of it today because it's had a hundred and something years to basically recover. But if you drive from Marathon along the 385, you visit Big Bend and you drive through the Persimum Gap, You're driving along the Comanche Trail. Oh, cool. It's such a cool period of time. And the Comanche were the king of horses. They were just so good. George Catlin describes the most crazy thing he's ever seen on a horse. All of their warriors, what they would do is when they got into battle, they would like slide all the way to the far right side or the left side of the horse. And they would shoot arrows at their enemies from underneath the horses. (laughs) (laughs) And so... These guys were unstoppable with their horses, true masters of the horse mm-hmm. and great warriors, probably the most feared of all the Plains Indians, especially at the time. And where did they drive their horses through?
1: Big, Big Bend, Bend National
0: Park. Yeah,
1: that's so cool.
0: <laughs> it is really cool. This place is just amazing. Oh my gosh, from the geology to the plants and animals, to the human history, there's so much to appreciate. About Big Bend National Park.
1: Okay. So remember that we are now assigning a task at the end of all of our <laughs> podcast episodes. And this week, we want you to jump on our Facebook or Instagram page at Dirt in My Shoes. And we are going to post a little friendly poll or competition right. to see which part of Big Bend people are most excited to see. So right. either the Chisos Mountains or the Rio Grande River or the beautiful desert landscape, which part of Big Bend are you the most excited to see? Or if you have been to the park, which part of the park is your favorite? So be sure to click over to Instagram or Facebook at Dirt in My Shoes. When you listen to this, find the post. Let's have a little friendly competition and see which section wins out.
0: Ooh, I wonder which one it'll be.
1: I'm trying to decide which one I want to vote for. So
0: (laughs) I know, they're so hard.
1: I know, so so we'll let you know, but we'd love to hear it. And lastly, if you have a minute, we would love a five-star review. Or if you would subscribe to our podcast, that helps us out a lot and lets us know what type of content you like to hear. We've been getting a lot more requests lately in, in the email inbox for episodes, which is really fun. So definitely leave us a review Give us five stars. We would love to see your comments and hear your suggestions.